And now for another installment of Stream Theater. Oh, hello. <laughs> and welcome. Would you care to have a little bit of sweet tea through our homemade cheese straws? Maybe you might be fancying yourself some cornmeal tarts with ricotta pimento cheese. And if that cannot slake your hunger, your appetite, your need to feed. All right now, preacher. All right now. <laughs> then perhaps. Come on now. You might like some loaded mashed potato cups. Oh, the potatoes. Ha <laughs> ha, <Or laughs> the potatoes. <laughs> some sweet potato rounds with herbed ricotta and walnuts. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'd like to learn about 12 walnuts. creative new ways to use your muffin tin. Oh. Well, mm-hmm. Well, for a spread like that and all of that information and more, you have come to the right place. Come on, preacher. We are talking <laughs> about string theory and the devil all the time. All the time. Mm. All the time. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I cannot get an amen. 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 All right, preacher. Whoa. <laughs> Preacher's been tipping into the special spider bowl, I see. <laughs> yep, you had a little bit of the moonshine. I apologize. <laughs> Friends, uh, with all that fucking hodgepodge goofery and semi-passable accents, you know it can only be one thing. We're doing stream theory, babies. Yeah. Baby. My name's Ian. My name's Ben. I'm Matt. Oh. I fucked it up. I think up. it worked out. I think it okay. worked out, actually. You All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing the call and response thing. We're still in that that mode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, this is too many flicks. <laughs> yeah, that's, too that's many who flicks. we are. Too many we, do, <laughs> we do that. And if you're just tuning in, if you've never listened before, first of all, welcome. What we do is we take a look at any sort of streaming property, movie, television show, whatever, uh, takes our fancy or your recommendations, feel free to send them in, and we sort of pass them through our own special too many flicks filter that makes sense to us and maybe it makes sense to you but uh we 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 judge these properties and sort of uh, examine them through uh our process, which is the good, the bad, and the remake. What this means. Uh, collectively, we source six things we liked about a property. We collectively source six things that irked us or we thought they could have done better. And then we hypothesize when Hollywood inevitably recycles these stories in five to ten years, uh, what would make the movie better should it be put into our hands? Um, at the end of that, we could give it a star rating. We could keep it nice and simple, but no, that's not who we are. We are complex people with rich inner histories, and therefore we felt that our grading scale should reflect that. Um, yeah, why not? Sure, let's go with that. Uh, at the top of the tier, yeah, you whatever. have must yeah. watch. <laughs> Keep sure. it self-explanatory. Uh, you got to go watch the fucking thing now. It's important. It's well done. It's just going to benefit everybody. So it's a must watch. Just below must watch, it's on the list. You know, it's in your queue. You've got a few must watches in front of it, but you are definitely set on getting to it. You know, it's there. It's important. Definitely on the list. At the middling tier, you have 
something for the background. We all know what this is, you know, like something not super impressive, but relatively inoffensive. You can put it on, you can do your chores, your homework, whatever you need to do. It's something for the background. On the lower side of the scale, you've got, I would rather. What does this mean? It means that we, your hosts, must take turns saying what we would rather do than watch said streaming property again. Uh, and then at the very bottom of the barrel, we used to have Artemis Fowl, except it was spelled like stinky fowl because it was cute, because uh, <laughs> that movie is uh, a fucking trip and a masterclass on how not to adapt something. But then we found the kissing booth, and when you find the bottom of the barrel, you gotta make another barrel. So at the bottom of the barrel, the dregs of the dregs, you have the kissing booth. And that's how we, we three, we three key uh, hosts, oh, whatever. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's how we three hosts will be dissecting. What movie are we dissecting today, Ben? The Devil All the Time. It's a Netflix original. It's directed by Antonio Campos. Um, it's starring Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, Eliza Scanlon, among many others. It's a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of famous people. There, there are a lot of big names in here. Yeah, um, Fun fact, I didn't realize this. A lot of these uh, performers are either English or Australian. There are very few American yeah, performers in the leading that's, roles. That's very interesting. That's very Which interesting. Which really um, means a lot of good accent work went in on yes on oh a lot of these people put in the <laughs> fucking work absolutely yeah. absolutely uh screenplay by antonio campos and uh paulo campos um also based on a novel by donald ray pollock director director of photography pardon the cinematography uh lol crawley um, and the synopsis goes a little like this. Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, indeed. All yeah. right. So, who wants to do the first good? Uh, I'll go. You'll go? Go. Because I'm, right. I'm actually really excited about this. Uh, Me too. It's a good movie. I think the score for this is actually really good. This film's soundtrack and score is really good, specifically how they use these sort of dreamier, cheerier uh, motifs whenever something like horrible is happening. Mm. Uh, I'm a sucker for that sort of dichotomy and it really it really worked for me. Like uh, moments that should have been eerie or ominous uh, specifically regarding uh, a standout moment uh, incorporates one of the characters, uh, Lenora's mother, uh, played the mother's not played by Eliza Scanlon, but Lenora is played very well who is like, I think Eliza Scanlon does a great job in this, and I want to say Eliza Scanlon's name a few more times because I think she's really great in Little Women, and kind of got lost in the fold because everyone's gushing about all the other stellar actresses in that movie, but Eliza Scanlon, fucking killing it um, but Lenora's mother gets into the car and we are given some very ominous information that she is not privy to as she does. And she gets into the car with the man that she loves. And there's this really sweet sort of dreamy music playing, uh, despite the fact that given our like dramatic irony of this moment, like we know that is in stark contrast with what we can expect. But I really, really like, I think that they used the music effectively in those moments. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I am. I, um, I hadn't even really thought about that, but you are right that it's a nice juxtaposition. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to, when you're scoring something, to think about it purely acting as an enhancement. 
as opposed to acting as a something a score should never run purely parallel sometimes it does but there's also you can when you do creative things it can inform and enhance the the like the 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 film and the the moments within the film and i think that yeah i think they do a good job with that yeah so that's my first good i was really excited to talk about that because I don't want to get too much into it, but that was that was something I did think they did well in this film. Mm-hmm. Right on. You want next, Ben? Or you want me uh, to go? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go next. Um, you take it. I'll take it. Uh, everyone's acting is is good. I, I don't know. That always mm-hmm. seems like a cop out, but man, I, I a movie like this, you kind of you have to you have to draw some attention to it. Mm-hmm. It was everyone was at nine or a ten as far as being where they needed to be in the moment, um, working through their objectives, um, making sure that they're clear and just listening to one another. It's a lot of listening, and they do such a wonderful job. Um, and you expect it with a piece like this too. You just you could see the trailer, and you're just like, all right. So this is going to be well acted. You know what I mean? Like this is going to be a movie where you're just based off the performances alone. You're going to be hooked. Um, I guess I could specifically speak on Bill Skarsgård and mm-hmm. um, Tom Holland. Uh, I think they were probably my favorite um, out of everyone. And that's not to say everyone else was bad or anything like that. But those two really stuck out to me. They they were just really captivating and everything. You know, they they didn't even really speak all that much, but just their actions and the way they carried themselves and 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 the way they carried their bodies, I thought was really strong and and um, and, and moving. It was really good. I, I great acting. That's my I, that's my I, first yeah. I I think Bill in particular. It's nice. I mean, Tom Holland too, because both of them. Tom Tom Holland, right? This was like a chance for him to prove himself in in a, a serious acting role, mm-hmm. which yeah, he did. Definitely. He did a good job. Um, but like Bill's physicality, I mean, Bill is obviously a brilliant physical actor because he was Pennywise and he did a good job as Pennywise. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he knows how to get into his body, but Mm -hmm. it was also really nice seeing him not playing a demonic clown entity and playing like a broken man. (laughs) Right. Um, because he does a really, he's got range. Yeah. He's he's got, he's got mad range and he does a really good job. Um, and like his, yeah, his his physicality is like impeccable, fucking impeccable. Absolutely, yeah, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. All right, yeah. uh, Ian, what you got for us? All right, no, uh, Matt, sorry, it's Matt, Matt. Yeah, skipped over. Matt. I know. I normally, I normally don't go first. I'm normally like hawing and hemming, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I was, I was chomping this time. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. You're. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, now it's my turn to haw and hem a little bit. Um, <laughs> I feel like the the set dressing and everything that was done, um, both set dressing and costumes, kind of all the background stuff was really, really good. I feel like they did a really good job of making these spaces feel run down and but lived in. Um, which is something that I think a lot of uh, any any good production designer can do, but I feel like when you're dealing with a lower class area, it's really easy to push it too far mm-hmm. and like make places squalid and like shitty. Um, sure. Whereas you know, like the church was like you know there was like peeling paint on the siding and like there were you know 
Um, and it felt kind of like dirty, but like cleaned, you know, in that way where it's like dirty. Cared for in a way. Yeah. Like weathered, but cared for. And and I feel like that applied to all of the, all of the places. All, everything felt very, um, I, it was, it was entirely believable that these places would be lived in by these people. And that is, I think it was a really, the set dressing and the choices of locations were all like really excellent in my, in my mm-hmm. That's my first good. Nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, okay. That brings me to my second good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go on record and I'm going to defend Robert Pattinson's accent. Um, Word. It was uh, a little bit jarring, but I think it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be uh, a fish out of water. Uh, you know, he's a preacher from a different town. He's literally, uh, it's said that he comes from Tennessee um, and while I'm no accent expert, like I, I was initially kind of like, oh, oh, mama, that's a choice, huh? Uh, but it worked really well and I, it felt natural in his mouth. Like sometimes people make bold choices with accents and you can just tell that they are focused on keeping that consistent and that's where their energy is as opposed to being like in the scene and in the moment. Uh, and I didn't get that from this accent. And again, I'm also no accent expert. Like I have an all right ear, but I definitely would never say that like I'm a good judge of whether or not someone nailed it. However, Eric Singer is Eric Singer for folks or listeners who have not uh, heard the name or know who this is, does a, a bunch of fantastic videos for I think it's Wired maybe, but uh, it's called it's Technique wired. Critique. And he essentially breaks down different accents. And he spoke very highly of Pattinson's performance. Uh, so, you know what? If like if the pros think it's pretty solid and I enjoyed it, it works really well for me. And it it deepened that story a little bit in like him being an outsider, you know, but also like very well spoken, you know, and like in love with the sound of his own voice. Um, and so I think even though he's like not the stereotypical like deep bellowing brimstone and hellfire preacher, uh, he did something different. And while it's not my favorite performance, like, you know, I think it's the weakest out of like good times in the lighthouse and all of his more recent work. Well, because that's what this movie feels like. It's kind of trying to be yeah. at some point, you know, it's trying to be that sort of high caliber, gritty, asking difficult questions with difficult themes mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And whether or not it succeeds uh, is up to whoever watches it, but we're going to make, I'm going to make my feelings very clear in just a little bit. Yeah, me um, too. Um, no, I, I actually, I, I was initially thrown by his accent because he sounded so different from everyone else. Mm. And we talked about this right off record. And I think that on reflection, I have changed my opinion of his accent. Uh, what state is this taking place in? I forgot. It's like West Virginia and Ohio. It's yeah, it's West West Virginia close to Ohio. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So like the South Midwest kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. You're right. That is definitely the South Midwest. Yeah. It's like this weird combination of both. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how close it is. Um, did you say the expert? What was his name again? Uh, Eric Singer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I do watch a lot of his stuff. I completely forgot his name, but uh, he he is on record praising the accent. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he said he said that it wasn't like perfect, but uh, it had like a bunch of cadence and was built into 
uh, Pattinson's physical performance on top of that also like it did like sound like it was from Tennessee right on even though it wasn't perfect but he was like he was like this is great like yeah yeah there you go this is yeah. it's just kind of high that's all <laughs> I think that's it's kind of high and it's kind of effeminate but yeah. it, I think that definitely was a decision that they made like either Pattinson made on his own or he made with the storytelling team oh he made it on his own uh there's actually i know he didn't get a vocal coach yeah well there's a there's actually a story uh antonio campos talks about how he no one including himself knew what robert pattinson was going to sound like (laughs) until he showed up on the first day of shooting like Mm. it was literally like the first take he did like that accent whipped out um which I mean that's legit. There's something to be said for that, you know? I mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, there's there's a part of me that thinks that there's a little bit of ego in there. Um yeah, because little, little oh, definitely. You know, definitely. Because it's like like, oh, you don't need to you don't need to check my work. I did it correctly. But, you know, yeah, it sounds like complete shit. Well, that was the, <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing. It's like good job you did your fucking work, man, because Otherwise, that would be incredibly embarrassing. So, like, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can afford to be cocky if you're good, and he is. Um, But there's also nothing wrong with working with a dialect coach. There's nothing wrong with, like, not at all doing your homework. Um, I think, but I think that was probably part of his process for this character was that like, he was like the character probably found all of this stuff on his own, like out of necessity for survival mm. kind of. Cause there's that whole line where uh, he'd never win in a fist fight, but he could like talk sharper than a knife or some shit like that. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering if that wasn't part of his process. I'm not going to sit here and say that that makes it any less uh, pompous or uh, uh, like self-absorbed, but you know, uh, yeah, we all do crazy shit for their art and <laughs> on on the on the level of crazy. Like that's still pretty mild. I mean, it, it is pretty yeah. mild. Um, all right, so that was your second good, Ian. Ben, what's your second good? Okay, so um, I feel like I always follow a certain theme on these. Now I feel like mm-hmm. I've become the actor person or the uh, narrator, the narration person. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall into that fucking trap again, guys, because uh, the narration was done well. I like this because these are two mm-hmm. movies back to back that we've had where there's perfect way to use narration juxtaposed to the poor ways to use narration like uh, Artemis Fowl and The Kissing Booth, which, of course, it's almost a sin to even compare those movies, but it is a good explanation. It's a good, um, well, it's a good analyzation of of the two, um, understanding how, especially if you're a young writer and you just happen to be listening to this, understanding how to effectively use that as a tool um, as opposed to, like, a hindrance. Um, yeah, this is done well. It's almost akin to... Um, Shawshank Redemption, um, in a sense. Um, mm. I will say I wish I knew who exactly the narrator was supposed to oh, be. Oh, I can actually tell you about this. Oh, okay. Um, because I, I learned about this. So, um, and this is, as far as I can tell, this is kind of a first of its kind. The narrator is actually the author of the book. Oh, well, there you go. He's, that's, he's that's like, not, yeah. they, uh, Antonio Campos said that he only wanted one person to narrate it, and it was the author. Um, hmm. which I think is uh, something I've never seen done before and is really cool. Uh, very cool. And I like it. he has, he has a, the perfect voice for it. He's got that kind of like almost Sam Elliott thing going on. 
Um, very much. For for a little bit, I was like, "Is this Sam?" But it's, it's not. It's 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 the it's, it's the author. Um, and I've never seen that done before, to my knowledge. I don't know. I don't know if it has been done. And it was given that the narration, I am almost positive, was just text lifted from the book. Yeah, it was a nice touch. I think it's a, well. It's, and so here's yeah, here's something interesting because I didn't know that, but I had wondered, Ben, same as you who the narrator functions as in this story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, what character are they playing? And I think, like, maybe I'm digging too deep. Maybe this is super obvious and everyone's just going to be like, duh. But especially with the narrator being the author, the narrator's supposed to be kind of like God. And so, like, it's kind of... Because this film seems really critical. Like, somehow critical, but also still somehow embracing the, like, evangelicalism in, in like, uber-Christianity, mm. you know? Like, it's it, an it, interesting it, hypothesis, yeah. So that's that's sort of my thing. Like, he is literally all of these characters' maker, mm. you know? Like, he's, yeah. like... Like so that that is that is where I think the narration functions in this. Regardless of intention, it definitely functions that way. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Because like God and like so again, it's critical of religion. So like, it it. it uh, I'm still not 100 percent sure what this film is saying, but I sort of read it as like God watches all of these horrible things happen with relative sort of objectivism. You know, yeah. like he, they, like mm. the narrator never says or feels anything. It's just sort of like. And uh, they went and died and their body was found seven years later. Bummer. Yeah. Or something yeah, like, that's... you know, like, so like, just like this unfeeling God in the face of all of this evangelism and stuff. There's I don't one know. time he calls um, someone a sick fuck. Yeah, it's that's the, right. He um, calls a, the murderer guy. He yeah. calls the murderer guy a sick fuck, which stood out for me as a moment of too. editorialization. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's even like the one thing that God can't abide is like this fucking this dude is like the one that can't be it's redeemed or tolerated. It's a beautiful way to adapt a book. Um, it it you know I thought about this before we even recorded. I was like, can this be used? Um, w- could we do without it? And I don't think so. In the, in this piece particularly, I I think it's very important that we have the narrator. There that are is, some moments where he sets up some dramatic irony that I like. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Matt. No, I was I was just gonna say it's it's really interesting to hear you have this take on this. Um, I'm gonna give you pushback on it after okay. I do my my second good. That's completely fair. <laughs> uh, I thought it, I thought it, I thought it worked. I thought it worked relatively well. It it just was reminiscent of um, Shawshank, which I another narration which I actually absolutely adore. Mm. That um, one's like the benchmark yeah. for good narration. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I, I I I might be slightly biased, but I did enjoy it. It was also very soothing, and it never pissed me off. I was never like, dude. Why are you talking right now? Like, which is a huge thing for narration. I was like, what the fuck? I don't need this. But I thought it worked very seamlessly and it worked well. That's my good. I will say that even though I'm going to disagree with you in a little bit, I do think that the narration did not break immersion, nor Mm -hmm. did it um, affect the overall atmosphere. And I think a lot of that comes down to the voice of the narrator and the fact that it's the author and the way with which he, he reads his own text. Um, I think that he, as a narrator, did a fantastic job. Um, Not all authors are good readers. 
No, not at all. Um, but he's got a fucking stellar voice. He does. Man. There are actually very few authors that I can think of whose voice actually translates well to uh, to the like the book version of it. The only one who actually comes to my mind uh, is Neil Gaiman. As I was about a, to list him. Yeah, he's got he's a, got you know he's he's got a great voice yeah. and he's pleasant to listen to. Um, and is a wonderful person. I met him. He's great. Um, Aww. yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a darling. Um, and he's fantastic. And, um, and I'm going to stop gushing about him now cause that's not what we're talking about, but <laughs> I just, I, Neil Gaiman, if you're out there, I love you. Um, Make a movie so we can watch and talk about you, Neil. <laughs> right. Come on, please. please. Um, I know they're adapting Sandman, so we'll see how. Oh, that... wow. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that. As a narrator, he did a particularly great job and set the tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. <sighs> sort of this gruff but dour but like bottled up like out here in the rough parts of West Virginia, you have 10 miles west, northwest, and you find yourself in Mead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. What What is your last good match? My last good. I think the. I think overall the cinematography and the the cinematography and the editing were good. Um, I think it was a. It's not like a pretty film, like in the way that like Denis Villeneuve's movies are pretty. Um, mm-hmm. But there was something about it that I felt was visually pleasing, even though it was um, of like this, you know, backwoods hick fucking town. Um, and I will also say that I feel an appreciation for the fact that the moments of violence in this movie were clear. They were not confused. Mm. They weren't muddied. Um I know Ian and I, you talked about the violence and I'm sure we will talk about it more. However, I do feel that it was always crystal clear what was happening, what had happened. Um, and it's it's nice to see movies moving away from the shitty Jason Bourne style of like combat editing that is not that there's like combat per se, but, you know, there's... Um, it's just nice to know that movies are pushing toward like clarity in their sure. in their moments of intensity as opposed to like frenetic that, yeah, muddy, yeah because the frenetic stuff only works if you're very very talented and if you're not it just looks confused and mm-hmm. nauseating so um for me i think that is a um that is that that's a that is a good is the overall everything was very clear you know the staging of the fights yes yeah the staging of the fights the the staging of and i will say the 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 hand-to-hand bit the the two scenes in particular where tom holland and bill skarsgård individually beat the shit out of people were both like good. They yeah, they felt, were pretty damn good. They felt really rough and really violent and like, mm, like, and they mirrored each other really nicely in in like kind of the energy and like intensity of them. So I thought that that um, specifically was really really nice because those are those are like kind of the only moments of like real intense action where stuff could have gotten lost. Um, and I feel like they were just rock solid in terms of feeling like clear and violent in good ways. So that's my Definitely. second good. 
Nice. That's solid as hail. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very solid. Um, and with your permission, I would like to take the first bad. Go for it. Sure, yeah. I, oh man, I was like, I showed up so fucking ready for this movie. <laughs> I was like 100% down to clown with this fucking film. I was like pumped and I was ready. And um, I've got two major complaints. The first of which is actually the narration. Okay. I did not like the narration. Not because I felt that he did a bad job, but because I felt, for the most part, apart from certain things, it was wholly unnecessary and was lazy. It felt to me like they were telling, not showing, which is a cardinal fucking sin in movies. The thing is that books and movies are two different things. I, I actually want to go read this book now. I'm, I, I bet it's actually a pretty good fucking book um, because books can do things that movies can't um, in terms of the interwoven storytelling and all this stuff um, and in terms of narration. And, and I, I feel that it made me think that it was a good book, but I, did not, I didn't like it in the context of this movie. I felt that it was avoiding having to like prove things because you just have a God character telling you how a person feels, telling you how a, a person like, it just, I, I felt like for the most part, it didn't add anything. And it also mm. meant that they didn't have to show, they didn't have to prove anything. For instance, the serial killer, um, you know they're serial killers. Eventually, it takes you a while to figure out what the fuck is going on with them, and then sure, yeah, and and once yeah. you do, I I mean, yeah, okay, they could have dude's penis off at one point, but like, I've seen serial killer no, movies. I think, so I think you I think you both make excellent points here because I I am sort of torn on this, but I I, I think an excellent uh, instance to this point, Matt is uh, and we've talked about it recently, the whole uh, sick fuck editorialization from the narrator exactly that moment wherein uh, he talks about like four uh, can't remember that character's name, but you know uh, for 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 uh, killer man uh, the act of killing these poor innocent people was like a religious experience for him mm -hmm. you know and so like instead of telling us that that could have we could have maybe like lingered a little bit more with some of you uh, could have seen their unpleasantness in, in the expression on his face like watching him take pictures and killing this person and like entering into a state of like reverie yeah euphoria I, I, and stuff yeah i i feel no, I, like i see what you're saying is that yeah. it sort of stands as a placeholder for stuff maybe they didn't have time to shoot or or something like yeah. that yeah and and to me that it it feels like a a cheap way to avoid having to do the hard work um mm. and specifically to do a lot of character work too um sure you know, because I feel like the performances that these people give are all very good. I feel everybody does a fantastic job in this movie to the point where I, I feel like the narration telling us what they feel and what they think is doing their performances a disservice. Um, Interesting. Um, well, I, I do disagree, but there is a part of me that thinks maybe the narration could have been a bit more, more pointed. Um, yeah, well, and I think um, that's because they lifted the text up. from the book as opposed yeah. to writing new narration for the movie. And, I can, and I, Yeah, yeah. I can concede that point for sure. There are points where throughout you, it's a little bit too much 
heavy-handedness with the narration, but I correct mostly probably because the narrator himself is really good, and he's so good, Um, and he's reading his own text, and that's fucking awesome. Like I love me like it, yeah, and and I and I respect that, and I don't think that it takes away from the movie. I do think it's lazy. Um, okay. and, and it took away from my experience of it. There was one point where he was talking toward the latter half and I was just like, all right, like I get it. Let's go. Let's move. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it didn't ruin the pacing of it. I just, I just felt that they could have done most of that work without, mm-hmm. you know, like fair they, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That's definitely not a hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> it is definitely not. I can, I, I go either way about it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be subjective to absolutely to, uh, to watch it. Absolutely. Sure. So that's my that's my first bet, and I feel better for Absolutely. getting it out there. Um, I will go next if that's okay. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of that is, those issues that you ran into with the narration might be just, and I could be wrong, but a lot of the clarity here. Um, it, it this movie is as good as this movie is. It's a bit of a mess. Um, Absolutely, it's it's um. So it's like I do I can also concede that the narration seems to be like putting glue on a bit of a messy um, story, mm. um, which helped me because at certain points in time, like my attention span was kind of all over the place with this. But the narration kept was always a, a guardrail for me. I was like, OK, was yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, it definitely so, grounds you like it definitely. There's so, no confusion as to what right. is going on, which is so that helped me a little bit because I feel that even they knew that, OK, this is kind of all over the place. So that's my my bad is this. The story and the structure in itself. Um, oh, the structure is, a bit is fucking heinous. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. it's messy um, as fuck. Um, yeah. And I, just is kind of discombobulated. In and I understand. I'm I'm fine with like fucking with structure and fucking with everything else. But you can't do it for the sake of like some of the pacing, and you can't do it for the sake of like just cohesion. Like it's just it never quite sticks the landing, and it's because of all these parts that are continuously moving, but they don't, they never settle. Um, and I, this is a hard bad to um, convey to you, listener, because I will give away some spoilers, so I'm trying mm-hmm. not to do that, but there are moments where you're just like, really? Oh, we're here now? Uh, oh, and now this is speeding up and accelerating, and now we're gonna halt the story to get to this point, which you forgot about. Now you're bringing yeah. it back. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you forgot about this, and it, it, it doesn't work here. It yeah. doesn't. Not, on top I mean, of, yeah, on go, top, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm, I, that that was period for me. What, what? I was going to say on top of that, like with all of these, first of all, moving parts that they are putting in wild places. Another thing that happens is that like only a few of these parts actually get their due diligence and time. Yes, absolutely. Even though they, they, they like they make a conscious effort of it. But there is a there's an institutionalized corruption thread in this narrative that like really you get like one conversation about and you're just like oh yes aha the corruption yes yeah, uh, and then like that ends up being a major plot point later that like literally just is never shown but is merely talked about once or twice yeah, yeah it's it's what happens too is like some of the violence and some of the shocking moments are startling not because that they're good but because it just happens and it seems out of place it's like mm-hmm. oh fuck mm-hmm. shit now yeah. we're here what the fuck happened like 
hold on like wow okay cool so this is where we are now you know what I mean it's just like a lot of those moments it's like this is happening now you're like how how did we get here like Like, yeah it's like I feel like there were a couple steps between here that we just skipped (laughs) over doesn't do a good job of building yeah and I think that is probably something lost in translation in adaptation I think that in that book I I am guessing there those steps are there but because you're taking one would hope you know, but because you're taking a book and condensing it down into a movie, shit gets lost. It always gets lost. Yeah, um, you, yeah I feel like there are probably some scenes on the cutting room floor, which they are for all movies. But of course, that probably would have benefited. Of course, I I will also say they, in terms of structure, they do this thing where it towards the beginning of the movie, specifically that that point that you were talking about, Ian, where he narrates like, oh, that she'll never see her again, and then we'll find yeah. her later, and they do that at a time that and and then later they revisit it and you're like oh wait so like that's when this is like it it doesn't like they do this thing where they put these scenes in and then revisit them with a broader context however they don't do that for like literally anything else in the movie so it mm-hmm. felt less mm-hmm. intentional and more like a mistake where right. i was like you already talked about did you forget that you did that Which, Ben, I think with no spoilies, that was what you were trying to touch on, maybe. That moment wherein, like, we see someone get into a car and, like, the narration's like, and that's all there was to say about that. And then, like, we cut 20 minutes back to it. And then you're like, like, turns out there's more to say about that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, for sure. It is definitely structurally very, very messy. It's um, a hot mess. It's well, and, and, and that is one of those things that I think books do better than movies, is that in books, you can have a lot of disparate stories existing that don't need to come together in a fully cohesive way without it being... Like, like it's just there's something about reading that allows for things to flow independently from each other. I mean, Game of Thrones, all those books have so many different threads going on. The Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. have lots of and, you know, the Lord of the Rings did it merged everything together very well. Um, but like there's it's easy to tell multiple stories in a book because you can trust your audience to keep track of it all. Well, kind of, yeah. Or? And it's also that because reading is a. A, a an untimed experience pacing is not an issue you can mm. you know because you are in total control of the speed at which you read a book you can sit down and you can blast through a book in the span of uh, you know a day or you can read a book over the course of a year or more you know um and to do that with a, t- a sh- like a movie would be kind of weird, you know? Like, I sometimes will watch movies over the course of, like, a while because I have ADD. But the normal sure. way you are expected to watch a movie is you sit down, you press play, and then you sit there and you ingest it until it's done. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that is something that I bet the book does significantly better than this movie in, in the structural feeling of it. But I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that that great would definitely point. be yeah my then uh, about the the first, yeah the yeah. first bad. But that is yes, a good point. It's a very good short. Yeah. Um, Ian, what's your first bad? My first bad for this film would probably be uh, so the violence is very clear in this film. Uh, for me and for a film that uh, was marketed so heavily on like look at how dark and violent and heavy all of this is uh 
it never feels super impactful, the violence, outside of two very particular instances, uh, one of which features Tom Holland in paper bags. Mm -hmm. That is like the one time that the violence actually got me and was kind of like ooh yeah that's fucking intense but like in this film you have people using knives and guns and all of these like different violent means to harm each other and it all feels we had talked about this off record matt um people who like no photography and no light and stuff like all this shit that i'm still just learning they can look at a, at a picture and say oh the lighting is flat like it looks boring because like the lighting is very bland and like even and flat and that's kind of how the violence felt mm. uh very very just sort of like and now this is violence like there is never like uh a variety in it despite them using a different a variety of different ways that violence appears in this film uh, uh, an, ex an excellent example that i'm going to use is um climax of 2018 a french film that Anybody who knows me for like the past few months is like, Jesus Christ, shut up about this movie. And, <laughs> but it's really good. It's probably my favorite film of 2018. And this film in climax, a, an excellent example of like violence that feels impactful and like frightening and 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 uh, really punctuates a moment. Doesn't just feel like a, a like a, a broad swath of like. And now we need something shocking. Um, there's a scene that literally just involves someone punching their own stomach, and it upset me more than pretty much any violence in this film oh, and it's, it's just them. oh it's gaspar noe oh exactly yeah, yeah. It's well he, be a knows, wild he ride. knows how to upset you like he, he knows how to upset you but it's it's the violence like this film was marketed so heavily on its violent nature and its sinful nature right but there are other films that like have way lower stakes and do the violence and sinful nature bullshit way better like with way yeah. more impact uh, and so that it all just like that's my first major thing is like if you're going to market your film as being like this edgy, violent, upsetting thing, you got to do those parts you gotta really make well your and make the violence violent. Yeah. Feel violent yeah. and feel upsetting. Like, again, Absolutely. all they're doing in this scene that I mentioned in Climax is like punching themselves in a the stomach. Uh, but it's real upsetting. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> But violence is a, is, is a tool to, to elicit emotion, man. It, it, it's, a, it's a character piece. And, you know, I was very apathetic to this whole time. I didn't even think about the violence until you just mentioned it, to be yeah. completely honest. Yeah, I didn't yeah even, it's bland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the like, thing. And, okay. I, and I, I, I think it's because it, it feels very objective. Like, there's no, right. they don't, like, violence, mm. the way you make violence feel violent is you editorialize on it like subtly right. through through character emotion and through the way you frame things and the way you cut or don't cut and the way you know there's like you can you can make things that are less explicitly violent feel way more violent um or you can make things that are like like the thing that it makes something violent is its emotional impact mm -hmm. and i feel like they fail to make most of their violence feel impactful for the people executing it. Um, Absolutely. There, yeah, there's something like dispassionate in in the filming of the violence, where it's like, like I feel like this movie, all of the the violence would have been very scandalous if it had come out in the '60s when it was said. Sure. But like, yeah. as I said uh, off record, like this is post Saw, man. Like, you can't mm -hmm. scare audiences with just, vi like, <laughs> you, 
you gotta like you gotta earn your violence. You gotta make it land for right. it to and feel it, impactful. And it didn't need to be like Grindhouse or anything. It just it no. needed to be clear. I think just yeah, just give it to us. Don't don't shy away. Yeah, from a lot of things. Sometimes even like cut to different things too, and like something violent, particularly was happening. I don't know if you guys mentioned that already, but that was just also very disappointing. Yeah, well, and it's also the thing is that there is something, and I think this goes hand in hand with the narration, is that the narration provides this uh, <laughs> dispassionate, disconnected, like God's eye view of these characters, and I I think that that radiates out into everything that like the 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 violence with the dude and the girl and the guys like doesn't feel very violent even though i mean a we actually don't see that much violence but also it's not like it's like because they have that dispassionate narration i feel like they just didn't put the work in to make emotional things like make sure that those emotions were earned and landed properly um, and I think that applies to the violence as well. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Are we on our second points here? Second points. Okay. Ooh, okay. Here we go. Um, my biggest frustration in watching this film was that I kept waiting for it to like really feel like it was about something. Like you've got mm-hmm. you've got this violence and you've got all these stories and you're like waiting for them to come together. And, like, at the end of it, I was just like, okay, what was the fucking point? Like, what was the point of this movie? Right. And, you know, Ian, we talked about how it's, like, nestled between two wars, like World War II and Vietnam, and it's about, like, the cyclicality of violence. But I, I feel like they don't, like, they don't do a good enough job to, like, make their themes land, you know? There's no... There's, it's like at the end of the day, I just kind of came away from it feeling like um, nothing had changed and nothing had like altered, but not in that way of like, you know, say like a history of violence where the like nothing ever changes thing is like, you know, it's like you can't escape who you are. You're a violent, terrible person. You'll always be violent and terrible or like any of these, you know, any of those other movies that do a really good job of dealing with the inescapability of violence, Unforgiven uh, by Clint Eastwood is another really great example of that. And I just feel like this this movie totally fails to like actually be about anything. We're watching these things happen, but there's no point to it. There's no further thing. You know, you're talking about because like it's not good enough to just be like, hey, people in World War Two times were nasty. We fucking know. Like and mm-hmm. also I think it is fucking unforgivable that they are we're talking about people being shitty in like the american south right this is like the american south people being shitty well west virginia it's still south and like you're not gonna we're not gonna talk about fucking jim crow we're not gonna talk about like the fucking clan any of these things that Mm -hmm. were like the actual systemic sins of america like there are no black people in this movie none that's it's fucking 2020 that's not okay you can't do a movie about how the south is shitty in the past (laughs) and ignore that you just can't and and I, i think that that is like it doesn't handle its themes because its themes ultimately are like not they're it's they're nothing they're these like 
they're they, like they are these ideas sort of that have been done better elsewhere and it fails to like truly take a stance do anything subtle or nuanced with it again this movie would have been fucking scandalous if it came out in the 60s it didn't mm-hmm. you yep. know i i just i personally feel like it absolutely fails to tell a story that is compelling and left leaves me thinking leaves me enriched I, I feel like it is an absolute failure of a movie. And I was so frustrated. I was yeah. so frustrated because I was fucking ready for it. I was, yeah. especially after sitting through, I'm thinking about ending things. I was like ready for like a clear, clean, gritty movie. Well-told story. Yeah. And I and I, mm. I feel like I didn't get it. And I, um, and I am aware that some of the, my vehemence is specifically because this movie is coming directly after I'm thinking about ending things. <laughs> I am aware of that, but it's still how I feel. Yeah, um, it's always hard for me to watch as a black person a movie that takes place in the South at a certain time and for me to feel any type of connection to a town in the South mm. when I know like if I, my black ass or any of my grandparents were to walk through that town, they would literally be hung. So it's always like, yeah. <laughs> it's always how like, how do you care at that point? Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you care? Like this is like the small town and blah 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 blah. Like you should care that they're, and I know that's a thing that probably a lot of black people like. We experience movies like this differently than most, mm-hmm. um, right? Sure. So, so it is it is always a tough ass for you to be like, hey, blah 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 blah. Like, and especially talking about the violence, and you make a great point, Matt, about. Okay, but how can you not show any racism though? Like that's the one of the most egregious acts of violence that we've yeah. had in this nation, and you just glance over it. That's a that's they don't even glance over it. There, it doesn't exist. They don't talk about it. it that, they just, yeah, black people don't exist at all. Yeah, it, this is just a, a, this world. a yeah, just a world full of fucking honkies. Yeah, that's, <sighs> that's wild. Um, I wonder if the book is the same way. Probably, um, because people like to glorify that part of ta- uh, time, and also. Um, the South mm-hmm. and a lot of things. You know what? Um, I'm going to read it. I'm going to I'm going to read this book. All Specifically, right. I'm going to listen to it on audiobook because I bet the author uh, does the audiobook version of it. And I want to hear more of his voice. And I will let you know how many of the sins of this movie are actually the sins of the book. Because uh, what what a movie like this, a similar movie to this, different, definitely more of a com- comedy bent to it. But Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? They at least have sprinklings of, hey, this also was taking place at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And they did it very effectively while also, you know, knowing that this is a mostly white town, mostly white narrative, but it's always good to have that element in there. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very yeah. good point. Uh, I guess that leads me to my second point. Um, okay, so this is tough because the movie is competently made somewhat with the exceptions of the things that we're listing here on the bad. So, I mean, I can't be like, oh, the lighting was off, or this and that, and the third, um, which is always tough for us when mm. we have to do multiple takes on a movie. Sure. Um, so, I will say, uh, I'm just going to have to piggyback off of what Matt said, and uh, um, just what, why, why this movie, why now? Um, mm. I know it's a cop-out, but it's, I think it's one of the biggest issues with this movie, and I'm fine with, with part B of it. It's just... I, you know, uh, that is the biggest thing throughout this movie. I don't know what the fuck they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm, Matt, as you explained, Ian, I'm sure you had, you shared the same thing with mm-hmm. this narrow in on one thing, please. For the, I mean, like, you don't have time that the book does. So try to shift it to one thing. 
mm-hmm. religion. Um, how does it ref- affect men? I, I see a heavy critique of religion in this. Lean into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, lean into the duality of men and, and how they view God and what is religious, what is spiritual, how does that affect somebody, especially in a toxic atmosphere. Lean into that. If it's about the war and the ramifications of uh, the war, lean into that. Just pick something because you're, the, the story isn't strong enough and you don't have enough time. You didn't give your, yourself enough time to tackle all these things at one time. It's clear that you they did not have the, the means or the wherewithal. They probably knew how, but they just something happened in the process where mm-hmm. you couldn't tackle all these things. So pick one. <laughs> pick fucking one, yep. please. Because it's, it's, that's where the mess, therein lies the messiness of it all. And yeah, that's my second bad because it's not too much else you can really go on here. I don't think so. Um, unless, Ian, of course, you have another bad. I mean, I, I need to come up with another one, but, like, we've pretty broadly covered um, Yeah, it's just what this film gets wrong because yeah. it's, as you said, like, it's really hard to point out, like, oh, so-and-so was a weak actor because that's not the yeah. case here. Like, uh, oh, like, what the fuck were they doing with the camera? Did they really just, like, put it on sticks for no reason and just film shit? No, it's all... There's intention behind the camera and its movement and the lighting is very moody. Like it's all competently made, but I'm going to make my second bad. And again, this is half cheating because we've already touched on this pretty much. But Mm -hmm. like they they cast their net too wide with these threads. They wanted to give too many of these threads too much attention. The two main themes that stick out to me are like the culture of violence in America mm-hmm. and religion and like exploring those two things. And this film devotes plenty of time to exploring religion and very, very little time to exploring violence in America or like mm-hmm. America's history and relationship with violence. Cause yeah. there's, that's never necessarily touched on. I mean, it's all there in the way that like an ex soldier comes home, passes his trauma down to his son because he never receives treatment and is suffering from a whole host of stuff and suffers great loss. And so that son goes on and like perpetuates that system of violence and America's constantly in war, out of war. Uh, and then the whole thing with the sheriff where it's supposed to sort of be like, uh, I, I read and, and, uh, Antonio Campos thoughts, on this film like what he was trying to say because i just straight up didn't know and i think if you have to do an interview to talk about what you're trying to say with a movie um something got lost in that process and he was like uh talking about how uh the sheriff is constantly talking about how he is an election coming up and trying to maintain this all-american wholesome facade despite some of his more sordid dealings and like yeah that's there but it's like not done well again like the the majority of his corruption is relegated to like a five minute conversation in a diner where someone is like and uh so that's why you're under my thumb remember he's like okay for sure yeah but also like who the fuck was that guy I like, know. What is he, that, he's so not, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's what is nobody. He, like, what does he do that this guy's <laughs> under his thumb? You like, didn't need it at you, all. <laughs> are you a mob boss? Are you a pimp? Are you, like, just a janitor <laughs> who has sway over this guy? Like, what the fuck are like, you doing? fuck is that, dude? It was yeah, so I've, confusing. And so, and, like, if he wanted to touch on, like, America's culture with violence and, like, politics and, and corruption in America, fucking do that. Don't have it be, like, a loose string in the wind that you like every so often try to weave back into this like fucking sweatshirt of a movie you know um 
it, it, like either focus on like religion and violence or America in violence because they didn't succeed with that. They divided their attention too much. And I guess that I'll make that my second bad. Yeah, uh, I will. I will uh, amend my second bad. That's a good point, Ian. Very good point. Mm -hmm. um, the women are mistreated in this. Um, they're used mm. as a plot device uh, to, to drive the men, um, and and that's a pretty that's pretty yes. bad. That's, totally yeah, that's pretty egregious. And I, you know, I have to. I'm glad I th thought about it because everything else is a lot of other things going on that are really bad. Um, but this one, that de definitely, they they their sole purpose is to get man man A to do this. <laughs> that's it. That's their whole. I need you to kill this person. I, okay, so now I'm affected this. This is my purpose. This is going to happen mm -hmm. to me as a woman. Now things have happened. Now you have to do it. it that's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic point. Thank that is you an so incredibly much good yeah. point. That is an yeah. incredibly yeah. good point. Because yeah, as yeah, good yeah. as Eliza Scanlon does in this, like your your her character does ultimately just sort of end up being a prop to the props. Yeah. 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 Passing in the wind. Uh, it, if it if they were slightly if they were slightly um. Let's say if they were poor actors, let's say that just slightly, so they would their whole everything would get lost. The characters would get lost completely. Yeah, I wouldn't mm -hmm. even even know them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's not good. That, Oof, no, got to do better. Good. It is not good. Got to do <sighs> Who'd better. Who'd have thunk? The devil all the time has a lot of sins. No, right? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who would have thought? All right, so let's get to the portion where we reboot this movie. <laughs> um, Ian, why don't you take it? Uh, you know, I haven't taken something first. I'll take this Go one for first. it. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so inevitably when this movie is remade um, in 10, 20, 30 years, what will I do differently? Um, I would clean up the narration because I mm. can concede that point. Make it more pointed. Um, make it clear. It, a little more, uh, maybe less detailed, more of, more, slightly more subjective and let the action of the actors, let that fuel the story and how we feel about them and then maybe comments the comment placement about what's happening could have been placed a little bit better i, I can concede to that as well um make things clear clear things up they like we need a clear theme here and if you want to do several things several plot points you can then i'm gonna need what i'll do is make it a three-hour movie that's a lot to ask for an audience to do but if i were to read the book and it was compelling enough and i thought this could work then yes, I would make it longer, maybe 20, 30 minutes to get all those points to make sure they're ironed out. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I would focus more so on the religion because I find that always interesting. That is what I would do for my story. Let's get that out there. Let's use those literary devices. Use, use some of those visual motifs here to really get an understanding immediately when we're here that this is what this story is about within the first five minutes of the movie. This is what we're gonna tackle. Mm, nice. We're gonna sit in this, um, maybe even do away with the serial killer bit. I don't know how much any of that subplot needed to be in here. Personally for me, I would just focus on that town at that point and in the movie after a certain action happens. And that's what I would do. That's that's my, yeah. that's my reboot. Focus church, town, um, and religion. And uh, yeah. Word. Mm. yeah. You want to go next, D? Yes, yes. Um, so, whew, okay, this is this is a good one. Um, I am really glad you brought this up, Ben, because my first thing was going to be to severely reduce the serial killer subplot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not like they meant they kept it in there because they thought it was cool and shocking or whatever. 
Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm looking at this like I'm examining this movie way more than it deserves to be right now uh, because I, I think something that just occurred to me is that this film is all about like where people place their faith, you know, uh, like uh, and, and Arvin, Tom Holland's character, bumping up against that. His father puts his faith in God so much to the point that it becomes destructive. Arvin uh, rejects God, you know. Uh, the sheriff puts his faith in the system. He's like, I'm the sheriff. And so long as I'm the sheriff, like, you know, like, so like his faith and is like in the system. And then Pattinson's faith is like in the church and evangelism. It's uh, cut the fucking serial killer subplot <laughs> is what you do first. Yep. It's there in the end because, well, I don't even know if it needs to be. We focus pretty heavily on Willard and Arvin. We get a little bit more of their relationship in the upbringing up until Arvin splits from his father Mm. because I feel like there was a little bit lost there that could have helped inform a little bit more about where Arvin ends up once he is Tom Holland age. Mm. Um, And if we're talking about, like, you know, violence begetting violence, like, you know, cyclical violence, then... What, what better way to explore that than in the little moments of, like, violent nonviolence between a disturbed father and a struggling son, you know? Um, and so we would have a little bit more of a skew and a focus on that. We would also, since we've gotten rid of the serial killer subplot taking up literally, like, a, a 15 to 20% of this film that it doesn't earn, you give that 15, 20-ish percent to the sheriff, so that the sister is still a main is still a character in the story, but she becomes more so uh, an antagonist to him that is only sort of loosely touched on. So we instead get a little bit more information on whatever fucking corruption he's involved in in town that he has a meeting in a diner about. It's not just a conversation with like a two dimensional guy that's like, I'm a name and you owe me. And remember that. Like, you know, like there's actually a little bit more uh, of the sheriff struggling to get reelected and struggling to uh, cover up all of his corrupt dealings. And maybe we even see more of his corrupt dealings, you know. Um, But otherwise, like I don't dislike a lot of what they've already got. So I would keep most of that the same, refine it down to Arvin father relationship and then Arvin as an adult ish, however old Tom Holland is. And then at the very end bring in the serial killer subplot as like the final trial that he needs to overcome uh, i don't know like i i would explore the thematics of religion versus secularism in the system and i still want to keep that final confrontation between holland and the sheriff uh purely because it's like he uh fought against evangelism and now he's fighting against like secularism in the system so he's like being challenged on both fronts there's something there that i like so i would still keep a final confrontation between the two precipitated by the events that do transpire in that moment if that because i'm trying to do this no spoilies you know yeah uh, yeah absolutely <clears throat> i i i agree um i would like to amend some of my points for reboot too uh definitely add diversity and black people oh and, please and yeah folks on racism uh, too, yeah. because you yeah can so. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> and, and, and treat the women better in my story. Uh, sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, abs- I, honestly, just like re, just at this point, don't even do the book. You know, like take pieces from the book and do a different movie. So the that book that clearly actually, has no interest in giving women or people of color their time. That is actually right. like yeah, what yeah, I wanted to say about mine is that like honestly, Jesus, I'm fucking slapping my mic again. Uh, I. <sighs> I honestly like wouldn't do a remake of this movie because I feel like this movie doesn't deserve to be remade. And and I feel that there is a compelling story to be told uh, with some of the themes and some of the events 
of the story. But what I would do is I would make it thematically very much entirely about uh, inherited trauma and PTSD mm. and um, and specifically the way that people failing to deal with their own trauma makes them pass their trauma on to others. And so I would focus most heavily on the women um, mm. and Ooh, look yeah. at look at how how power dynamics within relationships were so skewed against the uh, like uh, or, or, or i should say how skewed power dynamics within relationships lead to trauma and you know mm. and it starts with like a good young boy going to war and coming back damaged and harmed and then being unable to deal with his damage because it's the 60s and PTSD wasn't a thing yet. And sure. then to see how he passes that damage onto his wife and onto his son and then onto his son and onto his son and then how his son takes all that he has and passes it on to his other people, to the, you know, like to the, the women around him. Um, I feel like that is a more like almost making the the not not that I want the you know like Willard and Arvin to be the antagonists of the movie, but I want the women around them to be the protagonists and to see how their systemically enabled violence like carries out and causes ripples, and and then. I, I also think it is disingenuous at this point to talk about religion so one-sidedly and to say, mm. like, hey, priests are bad. Like, you know, like, mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like there's because in looking for trauma in or like in looking for salvation, in looking for safety, people turn to religion and sometimes religion does good to them. Some people are sure. Some yeah. people can be helped. Right by religion and I feel like there is a I feel like there's something more that could be said um, about the way we how how we as people heal and or fail to heal and like how those cycles of violence can be broken because would it not be more interesting to like watch the son of like a violent damaged abusive father realize that he has like become that man or is becoming that man and grapple with that and then learn how to change you know tom yeah. holland's character is never challenged never challenged and, and not never. and not even not mm -hmm. not personally and not narratively like nope. he his violence is all thumbs up you did good you yep. know there should be repercussions for at least some of it you know absolutely yeah we talked about this on our last stream theory actually i think matt you i forget who made this point but uh protagonists who are never challenged in their awful decisions you yeah. know like it's a, a an inherent sort of thing for a writer who is creating these characters to be like oh no like I must make my protagonist uh, virtuous in everything they do. You got to keep them safe, you know? Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, there's probably a little more than a little part of that writer in that character, mm -hmm. you know? And so you don't want to see that character do bad things. That does a disservice here because how much more nuanced and interesting would it be if, like, a few of the things Tom Holland 
character in this does like made us stop and go like oh shit like i don't know about that one though well he like, like beats the shit out of those kids and then the only pushback he gets is like one person is like i think you went a little far it's like, dude, you can't right. just, yeah. you know, you can't just. There are no consequences. There are no consequences. Like, we don't see them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that to me is a much more compelling story. So that is like, yeah, that's what I, I focus yeah. on. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and rate this movie. Um, all right. Well, Ian, I'm going to kick it off to you, buddy. Brother man, what, what do you give this movie? What's what's the, what, what rating do you give this movie? This squarely sits in something for the background for me, mm. and it, it tiptoes so dangerously close to I would rather drink over oxidized wine. Um, <laughs> it tiptoes right. so close to that, but it is for me a um, something for the background because again, like there are great moments you can tune in for Robert Pattinson's Buck Wild fucking monologues. You can tune Delusions. in. Delusions. <laughs> like just like it's and like no one like Tom Holland is giving fantastic performances. Uh, the final bully confrontation scene is like again a standout moment of fight choreography and a violence done effectively when this film flounders so much else. So there's stuff to glean, there's stuff to learn. It's, it's something for the background, but it's just, you know, disappointing. Yeah. I, All right. I, All right. I, uh, Matt, I, what are you going to give this film? I agree entirely with Ian. Uh, it is something for the background. It's not quite, I would rather start going to church regularly, but it's, it's dangerously <laughs> close to it. Um, <laughs> but... <sighs> Yeah, it's something for the background. It's got a couple good moments. There's narration, so like if you're not paying close attention, you'll still know what's going on. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, I I just think that it is yeah, it's it's something for the background, sadly. Sadly. I was sadly, ready I was ready for more. For the but, background. Yeah. All right. What about uh, you, ben? For me, I, I think we're all in agreement here. It's been a minute since this has happened, but something for the background. It did dangerously get close to. I would rather, um, I, I would rather, I don't know, wipe my ass with sandpaper. I guess. Ooh, but sure. It gets the job done, but it's gonna it, burn afterwards. It's gonna <laughs> take some skin off. Hurt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's look, man. I, I was hoping that this movie would be really good too. And it's okay. It's solid. It, I can't lambast it. Like it's not like the worst shit I've ever seen. It's not necessarily the best shit I've ever seen. It's very much squarely in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, you could throw the show in the background if you want. I mean, this is not personally something I would want to throw in the background. But just right. for the rating and the rating system alone, yeah, it's something in the background. Do better, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Really, like you had such a stacked, fantastic opportunity here. Like this, this should have been Oscar bait, right? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, it should have. And, ugh. Yeah, I just yeah. don't know what happened and there. It, it, instead, it's just going to be forgettable. Yeah. It's going to be something mm-hmm. that'll just fade away, you know? Yeah, Netflix hasn't quite got the formula down for, like, spectacular Netflix original films. Yeah, they no. they really, their original, I feel like their original series are pretty solid. Their original films are, are wildly hit or miss like mm-hmm. yes i feel like it's like 70 30 it's yeah, gonna be bad absolutely i think you're right you're 70 percent you you know it's gonna be pretty okay to bad and 30 percent fantastic so yeah i can i concur word all right um well this has been fun uh it's been a long but i think necessary uh 
uh, look at this movie. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Devil All the Time, right? The Devil All the Time. Whatever the I fuck that means. I forgot the title because it's so uninteresting <laughs> to <know>. me. <laughs> <sighs> all right, yeah, so that wraps up our review of The Devil All the Time. So with that being said, our next week, for next week, Stream Theory will be in... My friends, it came out in 2019. We covered the trailer way back when. We are excited to be taking a look at The Lodge. Mm-hmm. As our- uh, the Lodge can be found on Hulu, so if you want to watch in, a, in anticipation and get your Halloween spoopy season kicked off, right? That's that's what we're, that's season what we're of doing, spoops, baby. baby. That's what Whole we're doing. month of spoops. Season's Whole greetings. We're, we're, yeah, we're doing some spooky movies this, this month. Uh, with that being said... Um, since you told us what movie we're going to be doing next week, Ian, do you want to tell the people who you are, um, how to get in contact with you, and what's your favorite Halloween candy? Absolutely, my friends. You can find me on all the social media platforms. My name is Ian. If you're looking for me on Facebook, it'd be Ian Muntner. If you're looking for me on Instagram, it'd be SockNinja888. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it'd be SirYikesALot at BabyGotKnack. Uh, that's, that's all that stuff. And uh, my favorite Halloween candy, uh, oof. That's tough because my go-to candy is like Twix. So so long as you're getting me Twix in some regard, I'm I'm like a happy camper. Mm. Um, Halloween nice. specific candy is tough. I will say this: I can't do a lot of it. I think people hate on candy corn just a little too much. Dude, I read a fantastic I, I like article in Eating Well magazine called "In Defense of Candy Corn," and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty I fuck solid. With candy corn. Like you can't Actually, have, yeah, I fuck I with candy corn too. Like a bag, but I've damn, never it's had an issue with it. I mean, you shouldn't be eating a bag of any candy anyway. Like, right. touche, so, yes, yeah, dude. Word. I'm glad so we all that, fuck um, with candy corn. It's nice to know. Yeah. <laughs> We're pro candy corn here. This is okay? a candy corn positive podcast. Yeah, right? folks. <laughs> Don't add us with your shitty fucking cribbed candy opinions corn. on candy corn right i bet you don't even remember what it fucking tastes like do i used you? to like candy corn and then i turned eight fuck you get out of my face you. <laughs> no but seriously don't wait we love you don't we do yeah, love no, you no, no, we, love you we, 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 <laughs> we just get very listen. very territorial about our candy corn We're that's very all passionate. <laughs> uh ben who are you where can the people find you and uh, what is your favorite breakfast dish all right, uh, my name's Ben Jenkins. You can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. You could also find me if you're looking to hire a working actor, uh, BenjaminTimothyJenkins.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Benvolio91. You can find me on Twitter at B2Jenkins91. And uh, yeah, I will happily try to get in contact with you. Uh, and I don't bite. Also, my favorite favorite um what was it again favorite breakfast dish favorite breakfast dish oh man okay man just give me some grits scrambled tofu and some biscuits i'm i'm mm. good oh yeah that's and maybe like a vegan patty i'm uh, sausage patty i, I i'm an easy man to please with breakfast i love breakfast food i just do is my jam put a little bit of cheese in them grits too boy mm. look here mm-hmm. it's good eating right there That's all right grits, grits are fucking perfect grits are amazing yeah they are perfect all right with that being said matt why don't you tell the people who you are how to get in contact with you and what is your favorite season and why mm. All right, my name is Matt Frost. You can find me on Facebook as Matt Frost. You can find me on Instagram as Spider and B, like the tattoos on my arms. You can email me at mfrostcreative at gmail.com. And if you're looking for my website, it is mattfrost.media. Uh, if I am out there doing sound work, I actually 
recently got uh, proposed to do uh, the post sound for a feature length documentary, which I am very excited about. And uh, I am also doing uh, this podcast, several other podcasts that are going to be coming out fairly soon. And I'm writing yeah. some screenplays, short stories, and other things. I like to keep busy. And uh, my favorite season, it's got to be fall. I fucking love fall. I am I'm 100% fall. Um, I was born in November. Yeah. Like I, So late, late fall also works for me, even though a lot of people are like, oh, but it's so sad. Like, I dig it. Uh, I, yeah, I grew up in New England, man. Fucking October in New England slaps. It's fucking gorgeous. Mm. And I, yep. I just, I will never, man, because I hate being sweaty. I hate being oh. sweaty and I hate being fucking too cold. And fall sits in that perfect medium where, like, I get yep. to wear my flannels and my jackets and a scarf and I get to go out and, like, drink a warm cup of something and not be fucking just sweaty all the time. I'm so over yeah, summer. Bless. Summer is, like, not... Summer is not the best season. Um, no, I agree. Not by a long shot. I, I agree. Anne would definitely disagree with that. But, I, I man, I love me some fall, baby. Oh, it's it so smell, it, The air smells different, too. It's just something so about good. it. And it wasn't like that in Florida for me, like because we didn't well, really have. Well, because you seasons. don't really like, like in Chicago. Fall. I was like, this we is had what summer in the falls. December. Yeah. 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 I, I I will say also, I'm not a pumpkin spice person in general, but bouncing on the candy corn thing, people hate on pumpkin spice way too hard. It's I, true. I honestly like look, people stop yucking other people's yums. Okay. <laughs> we're all fucking. We're living on a dying planet, and everything is falling to pieces. Just let the people enjoy whatever fucking shit ass thing. It's not your mouth. Yeah. You Take put back. whatever in. <laughs> right. If if look yeah, if yeah. you want to cram dirt in your mouth, odd choice, but fine. I'm not gonna yuck your gum. I, yeah, I will say this. It's usually associated with like Karen's, but let's take back pumpkin spice. How about y'all take yeah. back pumpkin spice, huh? Hell yeah. 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 Liberate pumpkin Liberate. spice. Take it back from the Karen's. Yeah. <laughs> fucking occupy pumpkin spice. Let's fucking go. Occupy pumpkins. <laughs> That's social activism in <laughs> Right? It's uh, occupy pumpkin. Take it back from the Karen's. Uh, and with that being said, guys, uh, we have had a great time. It's been. Uh, a long season here, long year with COVID, and and hopefully things will clear up next year so we can actually have some type of normality. Um, but we know it's stressful. Again, I say this all the time. We know it's an election out. We know Breonna Taylor, say her fucking name, was mm -hmm. uh, did not receive justice. So uh, people are marching. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you have references of contact. Uh, make sure you pack a lunch if you're going out, um, and we are with you. Um, and we will be with you always. We will always have a link of Black Lives Matter um, contacts that you can contact to donate money. If you have any questions about that, please let us know. Contact us. We've given you our contact information as well. We can uh, let you know about any other things that come our way to help you out with donating with Black Lives Matter and their cause because all Black Lives Matter. Hell yes. Um, Yes. Uh, also, we know that it is it's stressful out there. Again, like I said, election. Please vote. Vote. Not just vote. I hate it when people say vote for the fucking Democrat. I'm just. I'm, just, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Yep. There's there's between one person and then there's fascism. That's yep. one, one person who isn't great. But and then there's also fucking fascism. So and you make can't your even come into the comments and being like, "Whoa, fascism is extreme!" Like, like right? Yeah. And he's literally talking about. Uh, he is. He has said that there will not be a peaceful transition of power. Right. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's been in DefCon red for so long that like the DefCon doesn't know. It's like I can't go high. I this is as high as you built me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we I don't have a warning sign as a president. Yeah. Like right. It's just a fucking giant red flag. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, He's twisting our fucking arms at this point. There's no excuses. None whatsoever. Make sure that you get your ballots in on time. Make sure you read the instructions because we cannot afford a loss at this point in time. Also, you're like, Ben, I thought this was a bit about movies. Yeah, (laughs) I I want all this to take care of, be taken care of so you can actually watch some of these movies so we don't have to watch all of them. But guess what? We're going to have to watch all of them because that's our job. That's in the description of that's one of our slogans is that we watch the movies. We have to watch them. We know it's stressful out out here. At the same time, we have to juggle um, activism and we have to juggle all these other things and money because money is crazy right now. A lot of us don't have jobs because of fucking COVID-19. We know it's stressful out here, y'all. We get it. We got you. We got you. We know this is the most important thing on the docket uh, in our lives right now, but we are trying to be some form of escape without fully escaping because we live in a world that affects us. We understand that as well. And we understand that you're like, hey, again, movies, uh, maybe I'll have time, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to watch The Devil all the time. Right now, I, I, you know, I have to march, which we, you know, some of us will be doing that as well. And that's completely understandable. But guess what? Don't worry. We got you because we will carve out a little bit of our time just for you, dear listener, to watch these fucking movies so you can know if you need to waste your time on them or if you can just go out and fucking March for fucking justice as well as Breonna Taylor and her fucking injustice system that we fucking have that did not give her fucking justice. We completely understand that. But when you do have the time after you fucking marched your fucking asses off and you are bleeding feet and you fucking are if you even just support because you you're scared of COVID and you don't have the time right now. And that's completely there are other ways to support. Don't worry about that. If you can carve out any bit of your time to listen to us, we would have greatly appreciated because we love you, dear listener. And we're too many flicks and we watch all of the flicks so that you don't have to. Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning in again to another installment of Stream Theory. We really hope you are enjoying these. We really love making them for you. We know that we have changed up the segments and structure of the episodes a little bit. We would be so curious to hear your feedback. Also, maybe we haven't covered something that we should cover, or we just haven't talked about something, or you disagree with some of our opinions in these Stream Theories. Whatever the case, however you want to reach out and interact with us, you can do so on our social media pages. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Too Many Flicks with the number two at the beginning and an X at the end. You can also find us at our Gmail account, which is toomanyflicks.chicago at gmail.com. We are also working on revamping the Patreon, getting a bunch of cool, new, fun ideas and merch and rewards up there for the people who do help us out over there a huge shout out to you all you're fantastic especially natalie cole who has been there since nearly day one all of you mean the world to us and thank you for your support there but we recognize that these are crazy times so not everyone can support financially doing something like commenting or liking or subscribing on whatever platform you're tuning in on means its weight in gold to small podcasts like us and finally we know that it is an absolute madhouse out there And there are so many more important things that require your attention at this time. We just hope that we can provide you with a little reprieve, a little solace from the madness that has become our world, because it certainly functions as that for us 
and we're happy to share that. We just want to finish by saying it's crazy out there. We understand. Please wear your masks. Please wash your hands. Black lives matter and stay safe. We love you.